eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders podcast, brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. Kansas State wins at TCU 21 to 14. Maybe you don't find that surprising, but what if I told you they did it without their senior quarterback, Skylar Thompson? If you're a K-Stater, you know that. True freshman Will Howard started at quarterback, played okay. And we will discuss much of that as we proceed on this week's podcast. Tim Fitzgerald with Matt Walters of the K-State Radio Network, Travis Tannehill, the old broken down tight end, And Ryan Black, our NASCAR insider slash sports editor of the Manhattan Mercury, are your crew. And we are sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company or employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Okay, guys, let's just dive in. Uh, Matt Walters, you were on the scene of the crime, which was K-State stealing yet another road win in Big 12 play and doing so with the true freshman quarterback. What were your takeaways after that game Saturday? It was an old-school type game from back in the 90s. I mean, it was defense-oriented. It was defense-dominated. Kansas State had put itself in position to apply a knockout punch offensively and couldn't quite you know, get that accomplished, but, uh, you know, both defenses played pretty well. No team had 350 yards of offense, which is rather atypical in this day and age. Um, you know, said that uh, Will played okay. There were some things that he knows that he missed. Um, you know, the, the, the long draw right away when he took it 80 yards was, um, was an eye opener to say the least. Um, you know, I thought he he made some good throws at times. Uh, you can tell that there's work that he and the receivers have to do together to get on the, the same page. But, you know, again, to go into Fort Worth, to, to get that done against the TC team that had scored 33 and 34 points, that had won at Texas, that's a heck of a win. And for Will Howard, that is that's a nice way to start your college football career in your very first start. Ryan Black, your thoughts? Well, you know, I um, I did not pick 
K-State to win. Me neither. Um, so, you know, I'm one of the doubters that Chris Kleiman basically called out at the end of his Zoom <laughs> press conference. Um, I just thought, again, that, that even had Skylar Thompson been able to play, I just thought, well, he's not going to be 100%. So I just thought, you know, either that or the fact that Will Howard would be making his first start, hey, you know, TC will probably come up with a game plan to – to flummox Howard and the offense enough that they'll they'll come out with it with a close win. I think the score I actually picked was thirty to twenty four, TCU. Um, you know what what I what did stand out to me about that game was kind of compared to some other games that were around the country this weekend, uh, and even in the Big Twelve with Texas Oklahoma. Man, what a, what a defensive game, right? You know, it was not like the every other possession they were putting points on the board. I mean, this was like. Uh, kind of an old school throwback kind of every possession really mattered kind of game. And, and, you know, really, uh, I I don't know if this is what happened to you guys. The thing that I probably ended up overlooking the most, because I think there was so much tension on Howard making his first start on just to play the defense. You know, hey, the fact that that Blake Lynch made two field goals and one of them was a 53-yarder, that just kind of to me got really pushed you know, kind of to the wayside with everything else that was going on. But, man, you know, how key did those kicks end up being when you end up looking at the final score being 21-14? Yeah, I mean, that score doesn't tell that story because K-State's lone offensive touchdown, they converted a two-point conversion to make it look like three touchdowns. And, of course, Eli Sullivan with the pick six in the second half that proved to be – A.J. Parker. A.J. Parker. Why did I say Eli Sullivan? Why? Well, Eli Sullivan had a pick the week before, uh, you know, in the in the Oklahoma game. What's wrong with me, AJ Parker? Oh, yeah, with the pick. Six. Stanton Weber, according to uh, Stan Weber, according to uh, or, or the, the little Weber, according to the Fox. Yeah, yeah. Landry, Landry, Landry Weber. Landry, Landry Weber. Landry Weber got yeah, the credit yeah. on the Fox broadcast. So, so <laughs> I, hey, we do. They've been playing a lot of guys in different spots, but we didn't know they'd moved Landry to defense. Yeah. Uh, well, in their defense, uh, same number. So yeah, yeah it is. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. It's being really nice, Travis. It's being really nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as I screw up, I'll save the uh, criticism of the Fox broadcast team for later. Uh, Travis, I want to go to you now because I'm saving the best for last. How's that for your oh, ego? Uh, you have played on that field against a Gary Patterson defense environment. Of course, this year is different than usual. Uh, brother, what is it like? Can you even fathom being a true freshman, getting your first college start on the road against a Gary Patterson defense, and then ripping off an 80 yard run on your third snap? Amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was super impressed by, by Will and everything he, he brought to the table more. So, I mean, that coaching staff did a really nice job of protecting him, not making, not asking him to do too much. And then um, counterintuitive to that, you know, the defense played well enough where they didn't have to ask him to do too much. So this truly was, um, you know, an entire team win. I mean, if, if K-State gets down by three scores early, obviously they got to put the whole playbook on Will and open it up and ask him to put the ball in the air, which uh, probably doesn't end up well, well for, for a true freshman quarterback. So I was impressed with, obviously, you know, Will's going to have to improve and get better. And if, you know, if you want to keep winning ball games in the conference play, he played good enough to win, but barely, um, you know, he's obviously going to, want you know a handful of throws back uh but overall they protected him he did a nice job but i mean my biggest takeaway from this team i felt for the tcu offense um it, they looked frustrated confused it was one of those games where i've been on the other side i've been on the offense where just nothing works every play call just seems to be um we ran it right into the wrong defense and that goes out 
uh, you know, to Kansas State defense and, and you know that coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. I thought that Kansas State defense played the best game they've played so far, and that TCU offense just looked in utter confusion and frustration, which uh, you know came down to you know. Per- that was to me was the difference in the ball game, as well as Will played for being a true freshman. That K State defense frustrating that TCU offense because I've been in those shoes. It is super frustrating when you're on the offensive side of the ball and you just can't get anything going. And most of the time, that's because that defensive staff is schooling your offensive staff in the coach's box. Matt, you mentioned old school victory. K State's offense was good enough. Special teams gets those two field goals and a blocked field goal, so they blocked yet another kick. But old school you got to be talking about the defense because Kansas State's defense dictated the course of this game throughout. And honestly, in this day and age of college football, you don't see that very often. So my hat's off to Joe Klanderman, the coordinator, and his crew. That was a job well done. Well, and keep in mind, and I totally agree with what's been said, You know, keep in mind Chris Kleiman's a defensive coordinator as well. So it's not in his title, but I think you, yeah. you get my point. Is That's, you know, that's his bailiwick. And I tell you what I like most about what has transpired is, again, K-State is vastly different from what it was against Arkansas State to what it is now. And with what is what has transpired is Kansas State now has legitimate depth. And you, I just – I go to linebacker. I mean, when – that's a position K-State's got to really recruit at, and I think I said that last week. But you look at what Fletcher – and Daniel Green did as backups. I mean, I, I like what I see from them. And I just I kept thinking on Saturday, man, Daniel Green is 235-ish. And just wait till he really starts to get it. He could be a load. But, you know, kudos to the defensive staff. You know, they didn't really give up the big play anywhere on Saturday. They didn't give up the bomb. They didn't give up the, you know, 65-yard run. But case they flowed to the ball. Outside of a few instances, which you can say every game, that they were a pretty sharp tackling team. And I want to reference something that Ryan mentioned a moment ago about Blake Lynch in that it's not something that's going to draw the headlines from anybody. But to me, a huge factor in that ball game was the job done by Ty Zentner and company on punts because they didn't let the lethal TCU return game get going. You know, the, the Nebraska transfer did absolutely nothing. And then when you have kicks going into the end zone every time, that nullifies the return game, and that was a non-factor. So that aspect of of K-State has gotten that much better. And, again, to me, a big reason why they won that game. Yeah, it was a good all-around effort. Ryan Black, that defense hit Max Dugan enough that he just didn't want to play anymore. By the time Daniel Green got that last sack tackle uh, in the one of them, one of the last plays of the game, TC's quarterback was done. He just didn't want to be there. He was ready to move on to Sunday rehab and get, get going with whatever he had planned Saturday night. It's, he had that look in his eyes, didn't he? Well, heck, you know, I mean, Know that that ended up, I guess, knocking him out of the game for a few drives. Was that, and maybe that's what you were thinking of, was the Eli Sullivan hit at the end of the at the end of the first half? Because uh, I myself, as well as apparently uh, Kellis Robinette, uh, who was not at the game but watched it on replay, um, I actually did not even know that he was out of the game uh, because when I originally tweeted that AJ Parker scored on an interception return, I said it was you know Dugan, and it ended up being their backup Matthew Downing. So. 
I mean, it was like you said, I think just by the end of the, end of the game, K-State had just pressured him so much. Like that he was just ready. He was ready for the clock to hit zero uh, and then beyond because they got one untimed bound. Yeah, that's right. They got to keep going. <laughs> uh, uh, according to horrible coaching for Chris Kleiman, according to the Fox announcers, which I'm still trying to figure out what they're talking about. Uh, Trav, <laughs> um, when you've got a defense playing that well as an offensive player, can you feel the pressure kind of come off you and you can relax a little bit, even on a day like it was for K-State where things weren't going as well as they'd hoped for on the offensive side? I mean, I think it it gives the whole entire team a little bit of confidence. I mean, if you're, you know, what's not throwing OU under the bus, but, you know, OU, you know, a struggling defense and, um, you know, let's say uh, Rattler goes down and they got to start another true freshman quarterback that doesn't have much experience. I mean, yeah, the whole team kind of feels a little bit of deflated, but if you know you have a solid defense, you know you always have a chance. So you can plug in um, really anyone on offense, and if you can find a way to, you know, put two, three, two, three scores up on the board and you know that defense can, um, you know, play with anyone, then you know you always got a chance. So that just keeps that confidence alive, I would say. More, more so in that locker room because, um, yeah, if you got a bad defense and you're, you know, you know you're going to give up 50 points, you got to put up 60 points to win this thing. That's a, that's a tough feeling, and, and that's a, that's a hard place to be as an offense, especially with a young quarterback. I got asked after the game if there was a play of the game for K State. What was it? And the answer, an easy answer is the pick six. But if there's a play of the game, what would you guys choose? Because I didn't, I didn't hesitate. And then the reason I say that is because of, of some of the things that Will Howard did to, to help K-State win that game. To me, the play of the game was the pass that he threw off of his back foot that just got over the fingertips of the linebacker and into Deuce Vaughn's hands. That was the play of the game, and that's what gives me – some some positive vibes for what Will Howard's going to be able to do down the road. That was a a nice pass because he had to kind of just like float it into a bucket. You know, he had to get it up and over. It, it looked like a shot when you try to that shot over the backboard and you're trying to drop it through the hoop. That's exactly what it looked like. He kind of just lofted it up and over. It was uh, impressive. Speaking of Deuce Vaughn, TCU did a pretty good job on the little freshman. Uh really kind of kept him bottled up, except for that that pass play was huge. And then Ryan Black, he had a couple really nice pickups on Kansas State's last offensive possession. They finally yep. kind of got him going on the ground, and honestly, the game would have been over if the turf hadn't tackled Will Howard because they had put yep. themselves in a position to salt away the game, and then down goes the freshman on the look like a naked bootleg. It was an option read, but uh, Deuce Vaughn, that he still made his presence felt in a game in which he was not the star and the featured guy. Uh, I thought that was a positive sign for K-State. Yeah, and you know, I don't know, Fitz, if you asked that because that was what literally my lead for my game story was, was that, uh, you know, it was that he basically had been bottled up the entire day in the running game, and his two longest runs were, were on that last drive, like you said, eight yards. And that was the play, honestly, you know, Matt, when you're asking what was the play of the game, I thought it was the fact that on that first play there where he got the ball, he was either going to be dropped for a loss or a very negligible gain, and he made multiple defenders miss and picked up eight yards, and then boom, the next play picked up ten. And then TCU let the clock run, like, for a minute before they called a timeout. 
you know, until you go back and, and look, it's now in hindsight, obviously, if he doesn't get those first downs and TCU doesn't let the clock keep running, TCU maybe could took over with two minutes or two and a half, three minutes, you know, play. And so the only other play I would maybe throw in there, Matt, is play the game just because I, I, I still am so baffled by it was the quarterback draw <laughs> inside the five for, uh, you know, TCU on their final drive. I guess that was such a bizarre call. I'm, I'm, I'm still sitting here, you know, days later baffled by it. It's funny you say that because my play of the game would probably be the quarterback draw for Will Howard because I wonder about how the rest of the game goes. If on K-State's first possession, it's three and out inside your own five-yard line and you punt, I don't know that that game is going to go well for K-State at that point. If you you dug him out of such a quick hole, they got the field goal, you know, kind of a sigh of relief, let's move on and, and keep playing. Uh, he said Fitz allowed him to get into the game. You know, what, what What was priceless to me was, you know, as he gets across midfield, he's turning to the end of the field where, where I was stationed. And then you could see it's just like the light switch went where he was out of gas. And he was just <laughs> trying to get extra yards. And, you know, he, he winds up ripping off 80 yards. And the first 50, first 55, 60 were really impressive. And But he said after the ball game, he said that play allowed me to, to – you know, settle in, get going, because what people don't think about, and I was I was honed in on him, is you you're the quarterback and you have that play, you have no time to rest. It is in the huddle, get the call and back to the line of scrimmage and you're gassed and you're trying to get it out and, and who knows what that next play call is gonna be. Are they gonna ask him to run it again or you know, is he gonna have to, you know, throw something or boot or whatever. So um the guys, now we understand a little bit more why he was a highly regarded dual threat quarterback. He, he's got a little bit of speed to him. Uh, Travis, his 40 time was okay. Uh, his 80 time was less impressive. Uh, <laughs> you can tell as a football player, he's trained to run those 40s. Um, as we end this first half of this podcast, uh, who wins? Travis Tannehill in an 80-yard dash back in his prime, if there was one, or Will Howard? Will I'll Howard. answer that. I'll answer it. I want to answer that. Will Howard. I I, I, I definitely wouldn't have lasted 80 yards. So. <laughs> he probably beats me in a 40 and an 80. That's um, awesome. But, no, I mean, that would have been my play of the game. Just more from a from an emotional confidence standpoint, I thought Will uh, kind of got going, got settled down like you guys mentioned. And then on the other side of the ball, I think there's maybe two or three or maybe four open field tackles. I, I don't remember exactly who made them or at what point in the game, but um, – if any of those would have been missed tackles for big games, that maybe would have gotten that TCU offense offense going. So I think really the open field tackling by Kansas State was was exceptional. I mean, you had players in space, you know, the guys you want to have the ball in space for TCU one-on-one, and they couldn't make a miss. I think those two or three instances, if they break a tackle and, and put a put a big uh, a big play under their belt, this game might have ended up differently. So I'm going to give defense. Uh, I know A.J. Parker had one. Uh, I can't remember who the other couple were, but they were all uh, exceptional tackles on the defense side of the ball for those are hard. Those in-space tackles, man. Those people don't realize exact how hard those are. And were you ever tackled by the turf like he was? Um, not with the ball in my hand. Okay. <laughs> if you go back and watch the film, uh, if you go back and watch the film, there's a couple times where we're trapped, trapped flying all over the place for no reason. It's a uh, turf monster got me. That's just, it's gotta be a horrible feeling. I can't imagine what was going through Will Howard's head as he realizes 
my feet aren't working the way they yeah. should, and down he goes short of the first down. Matt, what, what did you think when you saw it? Well, I don't know if Ryan and Travis ever heard of the show MASH, but it reminded me of the episode when BJ arrived and they had to go pick him up at Kempo, and on their way back to the forward double seven, there was some bombing going on, and um, they, got, they had to leave the Jeep and, and go help some soldiers, and Hawkeye's working on one soldier, and BJ gets done helping one and has to come help another, and he runs and... <laughs> Slips and does a face plant, and Hawkeye just looks at him and says, "Nice." He's all covered in mud from head to toe. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking of. I love it. And this da- reference. Okay, this dated reference was brought to you by <laughs> Blue Mark Energy. And I'm proud of it. I know. Well, uh, Matt, his dated references, and the rest of us will be right back on this edition of the Powercat Insiders Podcast. K State is three and zero in the Big Twelve. We discuss more K-State football on the other side. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the Insiders. The PowerCat Insiders Podcast brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. Our friends down in Tulsa. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in both Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Uh, guys, K-State's 3-0 and in the Big 12. Uh, I, it's just... Matt, I guess what I just want to ask is how unfathomable is it that they're playing this well in this position after that trash we saw against Arkansas State? I thought this team was going to be lucky to win two, three games this season, and boom, they pulled themselves together, win at OU, beat Tech, get TCU, head into this off week, get ready for KU, get ready to go to West Virginia, the table set. It's incredible. Tells, tells you what kind of job the coaching staff has done from Chris Kleiman all the way through the assistants, the, the grad assistants, um, you name it. You know, Kansas State has, they have turned negatives into positives virtually everywhere. You know, I alluded to the, the depth now that this football team has, and, and I personally feel like it's, uh, it's better depth than K-State has had in years. Um, you know, when you when you've got a guy like Echo Boyda who's doing what he's doing, 
right now, a guy like Cody Fletcher on defense, you know, guys that have accepted adjustments in their positions. You know, A.J. Parker played some nickel early on in his K-State career, went to corner and is now back at nickel, his best spot. McPherson at, you know, at safety is just, he is smashing people. A lot of guys are playing with a lot of confidence, and if they can get a few more to, to jump on board and start taking care of business and dotting I's and crossing T's, you know, K-State's going to be a, a tough out the rest of the way, even with a freshman quarterback. It is incredibly hard to win with a freshman quarterback. But if some guys, you know, it's still, I know he's a little bit banged up, but Malik Knowles has got to get going, uh, among others. But what the coaching staff has done, they've, they've, they've picked up the buy-in from virtually everybody on the roster and this, this team's going to be hard to handle the rest of the way. Bar, you know, all things being equal, barring injuries, K-State's going to be tough. Don't know that they can win it. They've still got some tough road games, but uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with what I've seen and what turnaround has taken place. As Ryan Black sits in the press box on a game day, uh, just a little insider stuff here, we get flip cards. It has the depth chart on it, and also there's a roster on it. And usually the depth chart's good enough. I mean, you get a two deep, that's good enough. Chris Kleiman mentioned on the Big 12 teleconference earlier this morning that they played 10 defensive linemen out of the four spots. That's incredible. That's just almost unheard of. How difficult, as you sit there and watch these games, is it to keep track of who's on the field, who was that, go into the flip card. I almost feel sorry for Fox that they put Landry Weber up instead of A.J. Parker because there's so much of this going on with guys with duplicate numbers playing and playing out of position and just running around and making things happen. Well, I'll, I'll give you, I guess, kind of uh, an actual nugget about this. You know, it's because, like, uh, two of K-State's SIDs, Kenny Lanou and Ryan Lackey, you're sitting behind me Saturday, and they're having trouble because they're trying to do the, you know, the participation report for, you know, at the end yeah. of the game. And, and they were both like, well, was so-and-so just in there, I think? maybe." And so you could hear them behind you saying, because they were right behind me, uh, just kind of conferring with each other the entire game. So uh, I think it is, like you said, I guess, you know, it is always easy for us to uh, make fun of, of any kind of graphics error. But, like, I, I do think, like you said, it's, it's because – there are so many players getting into these games now. And I think it's also even before the pandemic and all this occurred, just this ability where you can play four games now, you know, as a freshman without, you know, without having to worry about burning a red shirt. So I just think there's a lot more guys getting in games now that maybe in the past, you know, they wouldn't have even done it because you got to worry about losing that. Travis, is this a hard sell in the locker room to tell players, Hey, yeah, you're my starting fill in the blank, running back, tight end, linebacker but you're only going to play two-thirds of the snaps because other guys are going to play and 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 let you breathe i would think as a player you want to be out there time and time again get in that rhythm and really play the entire game i mean i think it really depends on the position i mean i know i feel like you know as a tight end or even a wide receiver you run enough you need those breaks i would have loved to play two-thirds of the snaps just so you could be fresh every single snap i know the running backs they complained a lot about the rhythm and not being able to get into a rhythm and obviously a quarterback needs to be in there to get into a rhythm so i think it depends a little bit on um on the position and plugging those guys in and out but i mean it is remarkable i mean i think 19 guys had tackles on the defensive side of the ball so that means probably at least 25 played and you know there were a handful of guys that, that didn't record a tackle so it's just been remarkable to see that and i think you know like ryan said there's no consequences for playing guys so you might as well play them if they're good enough 
Um, it's not like we're trying to build for the future, but it's uh, it's fun to watch. It'd be fun to play for. I would love. I would have loved to been you know 100 fresh every single snap and be able to come out on a third down um, and, and no big deal. And you know put put it put a number two in, put a number three in. Um, I would have enjoyed that on the offensive off side of the ball. Yeah, they really do rotate those tight ends. And Matt, yeah. they're having to rotate their wide receivers because you mentioned the name Malik Knowles earlier. Zero catches, really zero targets. Didn't play very much. Joshua Youngblood was uh, out last week for what I'm told are disciplinary reasons. <clears throat> Played a little bit this week, but a complete non-factor for the most part. Uh, a lot of guys played a receiver that we didn't expect to to play. Um, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about receiver. Your thoughts? It could be better. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, that's there's a, <laughs> there's a reason I, I keep bringing up Malik Knowles. Um you know, I saw a couple things from Shabaston Taylor I wasn't real crazy about on Saturday, but, you know, again, it wasn't a day in which case they just lit it up that you know, didn't even have 120 yards passing in the, in the game. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen K-State do this before, and it's not going to surprise me if, you know, they, they win a lot more games with what they have because I go back to the mindset, and if you are confident, and you execute, you know, whether your guys are, you know, some of these guys are number five or six or seven on the depth chart, a wide receiver, you know, to their credit, some of them made plays. And maybe it's not making a play with their hands. Maybe it's making a block and springing somebody. Um, you know, the, as a group, K-State is getting the job done. They They've got to get better at wide receiver, and that's why I want to see guys like Malik Knowles. I want him to take like four steps forward and like Shabaston Taylor take a step or two forward, among others, because K-State's really going to need them down the road. Yeah. Trav, how concerned are you about this receiver situation? I mean, yeah, exactly what Matt just said. I, mean, I feel comfortable with the, the other guys that, that – that catch passes, you know, Deuce Vaughn's a great receiver. Uh, Briley, Nick Leonard's done, done a nice job with the tight end spots. So really everyone else who's out there on pass on pass routes, I, I feel very comfortable with. I think they're, they're where they need to be. Um, but just, you know, the receiving room as a group, as a core, um, needs to step it up. And two, I mean, you got a true freshman quarterback. I mean, they, they need to be helping the quarterback out where right now it seems like, you know, that whole entire room just isn't doing a great job of getting open. And, and let's not for, you know, TCU secondary is exceptional. Um, you know, I think they're one, you know, one of, they're one of the better secondaries in the conference. And so they had, you know, they had some, some, some tough matchups this game, but uh, you know, overall they're going to have to be better because they're going to have, there's going to have a true freshman quarterback the rest of the time, uh, the, the rest of the season. And, you know, you can only do so much with, with Deuce Vaughn coming out of the backfield. That's, pretty easy to scheme to, to, to lock him up. You know, you can put two guys on a running back coming out of the backfield pretty easily and uh, where those wide receivers are going to get some one-on-one -on -one opportunities and they're going to have to win. Ryan Black, if I would called you at 2.50 p.m. on Saturday and said, hey, uh, buddy, write this down. DJ Render will be the top receiver for Kansas State in this game. Uh, you would have said to me, What? I would have asked you if you were taking too many of your painkillers from your <laughs> surgeries. Well, well, when they throw it to him, I'm like, 20, 20, who's that? Who's that? What? <laughs> well, and, and the thing that's crazy is I remember the last time that we asked about him, and I think it was maybe me, maybe someone else, but that, that he had been, you know, full-time moved to safety. So, again, I, I guess I just wasn't really even thinking about him 
being back at receiver. I know that's where he began his career when he got to K-State, but uh, I just want to add into all this receiver talk that if you had told me through four games that Joshua Youngblood and Malik Knowles had a combined two catches for 34 yards, I would say, well, K-State's probably one and three. Mm-hmm. Because I, yeah. I guess I just thought that with Dalton Schoen leaving, you know, those were the two guys I really expected. They're going to step up, you know, and, and and help the passing game. Now, again, we all we know that this coaching staff doesn't want to throw the ball fifty times a game, but they at least need to, you know, give the threat of passing so it can open up the running lane. So, like, I'm just, I think it really is a testament, like you guys have talked about, to the resolve of the whole team and the coaching staff that when two players expected to be key pieces of the team, right? I mean, wouldn't you guys say, right, correct me if I'm wrong, wouldn't you say both of those two guys, along with Skylar Thompson, Wyatt Hubert, and I don't know who I'd throw in after that, uh, Justin Hughes, I guess, would be the top five most important players to K-State success this year. Probably. Would, would be, you know, because everyone thought, okay, Youngblood was an All-American, you know, kick returner last year. Now he's going to make those steps in the, in, the, in the passing game. And we thought, okay – Malik Knowles, he can stay healthy. He'll be, you know, wide receiver number one. And none of that's come to fruition yet. Yet they're three and zero in the Big Twelve and on three game winning streak heading in to their second open date. So it's just, it's just remarkable to me how this coaching staff just always seems to find guys to step up at the right times. You know, they just do it time and again. And, and they came up just short in, in Arkansas State. But I, you know, I do want to go back to that for one second. I'm sorry that I'm kind of rambling, but I just don't think it can be downplayed that you know what. That was still a fairly game Arkansas State team. Who they should have scheduled was Louisiana Monroe, who can't even get a punt off. Man, if, if Case had kept scheduled Louisiana Monroe, they would have blocked 10 punts, I guess, in the opener. So, uh, you know, I mean, I know that we're going to have to keep hearing about, well, did that game, was that a wake-up call, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, hey, uh, just, just a lot of credit to this staff and this team for what they've been able to do since that loss. Well, uh, DJ Render is the latest in in the line of players that have stepped up this season uh-huh. that none of us could have ever predicted. But Matt Walters, Echo Boydo, uh is stunning. I mean, I I know that they probably did not want to play him at Oklahoma, but they really didn't have any other choice. And he's been making plays ever since. And he's a guy that honestly, I I spoke with Joe Klanderman earlier today for Tuesday's Sources podcast. They didn't see it coming. It, they they absolutely were stunned by how well he played on game day compared to what they've seen in practice and in preparations. Just you never know, man. And this team is tapping in – or excuse me, this coaching staff is tapping into something with this team that I don't fully understand, but by golly, it's working. And Echo Bordeaux's done you know, good things against the, the top one, top two wide receivers the other team has had. Uh, you know, he's athletic. He gets to the ball. I like K-State's, you know, size. They've got more size at the cornerback position. And, you know, there are a lot of positives. And I, I tell you, when you're when you're a high school or a junior college player, you know, again, K-State is not Alabama. K-State's not Clemson. Um, but, man, when, when this coaching staff comes to talk to you, I don't know how you can not want to play for them, meaning – they're, they're catching kids' attention. They've got good things to say. They've got results to, to back it up with. And, uh, you know, I think out on the recruiting trail, we're going to see K-State getting in a lot more doors, um, you know, in the, the days and weeks and months to come. But the, this team is, you know, fits. And, and Travis, for that matter, you go back and think about some of the K-State teams that 
weren't very talented that just won games. It's possible. It happens. Um, to get to that upper echelon, you got to have more dudes. But this is, again, kind of a typical Kansas State team that just goes out and finds a way to get the job done. Yeah, Trav, I look at this roster, and and I recall some of those great K-State teams. Let's take 2012. Um, it was as good a front line in terms of starting units that there was in the conference. But then they had that injury, the one injury, the, the guy you couldn't really afford to lose at that particular time, Ty Zimmerman on the back end of the defense, and you had to plug in a, a freshman. Uh, Dante Burnett, Burnett turned out to be pretty good. But things kind of came apart. It was it, at times it was that fragile with the depth at K State that there was a dramatic drop off from one to two. I think that is the greatest bit of coaching we're seeing with this coaching staff is when the backups come in, you don't really notice because they kind of keep playing as well as anyone else has been playing earlier in the day. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, exactly what you said. There was a lot of guys on that 2012 roster that, I mean, yeah, if if someone goes down, I mean, even you know, even at the quarterback position, if Collins goes down, there's a there's a huge drop off. If Braden Wilson would have gone down, there was a huge drop off between him and number two. Um, you know, we had pretty good depth at receiver with with Harper, Lockett, and, and Sexton, but after those three, um, it dropped off pretty quickly. So it's uh, yeah, this the and I, I think that's yes, the staff is doing, it, but I mean, back then we just didn't really the twos didn't get very many reps. It was always like, hey, you're the one, and if you get hurt, we'll we'll figure it out at that point. There was really no preparation um, to get those. I mean, they were getting reps in practice, but it wasn't like a huge, like, Hey, you're a two. Like when I was a freshman, it was like, Hey, you're a two, you're going to get five snaps a game and we'll figure it out. If your number one gets hurt where I feel like now it's like, Hey, you're a two or a three or a six. You might get in this game. You better be preparing and you better be, um, you better be on your game because there's nothing worse than getting embarrassed out in front of, out in front of national television. So, um, yeah, this that is a different mentality. I think that the players since that they realize. I mean, there were guys um, that, that you know played all four or five years, and they knew they were never going to get in. And, and you know, that, that's got to be a pretty uh, you know just a depressing way to, to to view your week of preparation when you just know there. Hey, there is no chance I'm getting in this game. Where I don't know if there's too many guys on that roster that 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 feel that way right now. Which is a good place to have a good place to be as a player and a good place to have your players if you're a coach. Okay, Matt, you can sit out this one, and um, maybe this will just be a little mini rant of my own. Um, speaking of not being ready to play the game on Saturday, Fox's announcers, and I love Tim Brando. I mean, I always have. And Spencer Tillman's done a really good job through the years. They were not prepared. Ryan Black, you probably didn't hear it because you were at the game. Trav, nope. I take it you heard some of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You can always tell when an announcer isn't prepared when they keep going back to the same thing over and over because they don't have a long list of stuff to talk about. And this week it was Jerry Kill being on the TCU staff. They had the wedding photos ready, and it was all fitting. I'm not upset they talked about Coach Kill because I respect him immensely. But then they didn't get into the connection that he has to the K-State staff. Like Brian Anderson, the running backs coach, wouldn't be in this position without climbing the coaching ladder with Jerry Kill. They didn't get into that. Um, and they really they talked about Jerry Kill so much more than Chris Kleiman. And setting aside the screw-ups, I just was immensely uh, disappointed in the quality of the broadcast. And I, I don't know what else to say. I didn't think they were locked in. They got locked on points, like Tim Brando just insisting Wyatt Hubert had a 
targeting call at the end, even a personal foul call. Um, the timeout they made fun of Kleiman for calling that really didn't have any serious impacts on the game. Just over and over. Does anyone have any thoughts, or is this just a Fitz rant? No, I, I 100%. I mean, even from the from the get-go on the – I mean, there was just a bunch of misspeaks. Like, it was just – like. You know, they called TCU K-State. They called K-State TCU. I mean, I know they're both purple, but, guys, this isn't that hard. And they did it three or four times. And my biggest uh, complaint was they, they, they said the Deuce Vaughn targeting against Deuce Vaughn was not a targeting because he was short. Yeah. The defender did not have a chance because Deuce Vaughn's head was at five foot five instead of six foot two. And I was just like, what? Like, that was like, one, that's dumb. Two, like, you're kind of – making fun of the kid for being short, like where he's a heck of a ball player. So I don't, I mean, I, I don't know when they got that game assigned to them. Maybe they got it assigned last minute. I have no idea. Um, I'm sure we can look that up, but I, if it was a normal week of preparation, I mean, I'd be, you know, I, I've, I've broadcasted games. It, it's, it does take a ton of preparation. I would be disappointed if I put that, um, put that performance out there. Um, but, you know, hopefully maybe they got it last minute, who knows, but uh, I don't, I, I was, I'm a few fits. I'm I'm a little bit of rant here too, but it just it wasn't good. It wasn't clean. It wasn't what Fox usually puts out. So hopefully, uh, we'll get a little criticism and get better. Yeah, I mean Spencer Tillman. I think his heart was across the Metroplex at the Cotton Bowl where his Sooners were playing a really entertaining game, and he didn't. It almost seemed like he didn't want to be covering Kansas State in Fort Worth against TCU. Uh, but speaking of that Wyatt Hubert targeting call that was uh, uncalled, I guess you can say by replay. And a personal foul, late hit on the quarterback. Matt, was that a late hit? He 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 hit with him with two arms in the chest, maybe the neck. That's what I thought maybe they were looking at for the targeting. But it was as he released the ball or moments after. I thought this was a time when they threw the the flag for targeting, had to call it personal foul. But not only was it not targeting, it wasn't a late hit in my book. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, live that uh, it, it wasn't targeting. I thought, why, you got to be smarter than that. You, you can't put yourself in that position. Agreed. But, um, you know, there weren't a whole lot of missed calls. And, and I, I made the comment on the air on Saturday. I was thrilled to see that white hat. His name's Kevin Moore. I'm thrilled to see him back in the Big 12 because – He's earned his stripes and he's climbed the ladder and, and he's a really good official. And that's I me. Mean, that was one of the few things that the officials had troubles with on, on Saturday. I thought they did a pretty good job on the, the targeting on Deuce Vaughn. Um, you know, uh, when Washington was ejected, the, the field judge didn't flinch. That flag was coming out from, from the get go. But yeah, when we, I want to go back to Wyatt because I think, you know, he's a guy that needs to step up his play, but he also needs to clean up a couple of things. Remember in the Oklahoma game, he was, and he was told to not hold him blatantly, but he was the guy that held um, the Oklahoma fullback coming out of the backfield when, oh, you got that free 15 yards late in the ball game. Um, so I just, I want to see, I want to see Wyatt kind of up his game a little bit now that we're a third or make that a fourth of the way. Nope, a third of the way into into the season. That was good math on the fly there, buddy. I'm Thank proud you. Of you. Uh, Appreciate that. Ryan Black, uh, Sammy Wheeler, catch or no catch on that overturned catch? He pauses. Mm. He makes faces. I thought it was a catch. I, I thought it was, but um, 
I mean, I hate to use this kind of tired line, but it's like sometimes I don't even know what a catch is anymore. Mm-hmm. It seems like it just it depends on who's officiating the game that day. I mean, I hate to say that, but it just you know, and that and that was a play, man. You know that that ended up being it could have been huge in terms of how costly it could have been if they had lost because correct that's they ended up not, obviously not getting that spot and then uh, Blake Lynch missed a field goal. Am I correct? That what happened? Or they ended up punting? Yeah, I think they and did so miss that, field that, goal. That's a pretty big, pretty big call that that you know went went against K State. So I, I thought it was a catch upon seeing it, but. I mean, like I said, it just seems like everybody has an opinion about what is and isn't the catch anymore. It's crazy. Travis Tannehill, he caught the ball. His knee goes down. His body hits. He lands on his back. And then the ball's ripped out after he, he's landed. And Mike Pereira, the rules expert, says he didn't make a football move. You're the former football player here. What football move does a tight end make after he catches the ball, after his knee's down, and after his body's hit the ground? How many of those football moves did you make after that point? I mean, yeah, zero. But, yeah, no, that's a – it was tough just because that, that was my argument was, hey, if that defender is not there, then he continues that play and rolls in the end zone for a touchdown. And he had already – his knee was already down. Like he, the, the play was already dead, and the ball was ripped out of his hands after the play, in theory, was dead. So how is that an incomplete pass? Um my thing, I think whatever was called on the field should have stood. So it was called a catch on the field. It should have stood. If it would have been called incomplete, it should have stood as incomplete. I don't think there was enough evidence either way to, to reverse it. I could see both sides of that argument and both sides of that coin. Um, I mean, it was it was as bang bang as you can get on a reception. So I mean, I'm, I'm not super upset about that call. I can see why the refs reversed that, uh, but I would have liked to seen it. Uh, you know, the call on the field stands. Matt, I know this when Mash was airing on CBS TV. That was a catch. Back in those days, that <laughs> was a catch. You're right, it was. We've dissected what Ryan said. I'm gonna I'm gonna be politically correct and not climb on you for that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've dissected what is and what is not a catch too much in the last few years. Oh, it's crazy. Hey, I lo- I'm gonna love Nash till the day they sprinkle me all sorts of places, including in your front yard, Fitz. Oh, that's awesome. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll take your ashes to. Uh, California where they filmed it and just scatter scatter them Please about. Do. Boys, Please thank do. you very much. Uh <laughs> off week we will still uh gather next Monday for the insiders. Uh I need an off week. Matt, do you think the team you've kind of been around them a little bit. Do you think the team's ready for an off week or you think they they're, want they're to just keep playing? I'm sure, they, I'm sure they want to keep playing, but it's a, it's a good time. They'll get a couple days off. I'm sure that my guess is the coaching staff probably wants to practice some of the younger guys that really haven't got in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good time. Travis, did you like let's, off get, let's get Will Howard some reps? Yeah, exactly. It's really good timing for Will Howard. Get yep. him some more reps. Did you like off weeks, Trav? Uh, yeah, I loved off weeks. So <laughs> it was time to, I was banged up most of my career. So it was time to feel, feel relatively decent. And, uh, I like to do a few extracurriculars during my college days too. So yep. it was always a good time to go out see some friends and, and cut loose a little bit for at least one night before you get back in the grind for that next week. And, and Fitz, before you end yeah. this, I got a question. Go. I got a question for you. Um, because I saw someone ask you this on Twitter after the stuff with, um, you know, it was announced, you know, that, that Thompson hadn't traveled and we, and uh, Will Howard makes first start. Someone asked you what, what would be, how would this have been handled if Bill Snyder was still the coach? And you said, Snyder 2.0 would have started the walk-on, uh, meaning Nick Ost. Is that meaning that you think the first tenure Snyder would have started Will Howard, or did you just not really? 
I just, I'm, I'm interested in your opinion on that. Well, you go back to uh, 97 when Michael Bishop was starting and playing awful in Lubbock. And, I mean, really awful. He put in true freshman Michael uh, Jonathan Beasley to oh. take over. Um, so he did he did have more of a sense of let's throw him in the fire during 1.0 when he was younger than 2.0. There's no doubt in my mind Nick Oss would have started that game uh, yes. in Fort Worth. And maybe Will Howard would have relieved him at some point if he wasn't playing well. But I, we all get more conservative with things as we get older, and we certainly saw that with – Coach Snyder's use of quarterbacks as we went on. Use of everyone. He wanted the guy who'd practiced more, done more, and maybe wasn't the better player. Um, and I think this staff is doing a good job marrying the, the two philosophies. Not just throwing guys in because they're great athletes, but giving them a chance. Hey, Travis, I want to comment on one thing you said about how, like, I guess almost every guy on the sideline to an extent feels like they might get in the game. I think this coaching staff actually set that tone in their very first game. Because do you guys remember the very first offensive possession? Yeah. The K State had, and what was they played like eighteen guys on that that drive? I mean, it was ridiculous. I think it was more than that. I think it was. Uh, boy, let me think. It, I think it was twenty one because okay because Skylar Thompson didn't leave the field, so the other ten positions essentially had added okay. up to two guys playing every every yeah. spot. And so I'm just saying, Travis, when they set that tone, I think the very first game they ever coached here that you know yeah. practice and play well enough. Uh, or sorry, if you practice well enough during the week, and we can find a way to get you in a game, we're going to do it. Yeah, no, and that's you know that's how it should be. Everyone, everyone works their tail off during during the week, and it's uh, there's enough spots on special teams, and 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 there, there's enough spots on that field to to get guys in. If, if they're good enough to be here and be in that locker room, they're good enough to be on the field, in my opinion. Well, you guys are my starting lineup, and I will go with you every week if you're available. That that's just what I, week. I want you to know that it's important. My God, I would hope you know. so. Thanks for listening to The Insiders. We're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Cats are off this Saturday. Go do fun stuff, and then you get to watch them play KU the next Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And that is always fun. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.